Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we connect with marathon swimmers around the world to find out how they got started, what makes them tick, and why they keep going. It's where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers, the connections that we have with each other, our support crew, and the waters we cross. If you've ever stood at the edge of a body of water and wondered what it would be like to swim to the other side, you're in good company. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, water relationship coach, and founder of Intrepid Water, where I virtually teach swimming freedom. Freedom to get started, shed the confines of the pool, or your preconceived notions of what's possible. Find out more at intrepidwater.com. Hello. Today, I'm excited to share with you the Marathon Swim Stories Summer Series. It's been a bit of a busy summer for me as the world's opening back up. I can't always track people down for interviews. So I thought it would be fun to do a remix of some of the questions asked of guests in season one. I hope that you'll enjoy this series. I look forward to some fresh conversations around September. Until then, I always love to hear from you. You can drop me a line anytime, shannon at intrepidwater.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about the podcast, share these amazing stories, and just keep swimming. Are you a process or an outcome person? These are great questions. <laughs> Man, okay. Holy mackerel. Um, I really thought about that. I'm a process person. I'm a process person. I love the outcomes, but um, I've had a lot of, this is the one thing I'm so glad I, you know, I started like the little support our swimmers group. Um, I failed miserably in, in swims. And I and I, I shouldn't even say that. Now I can say it. In the in the moment when I've not completed a swim, it feels like an utter failure. But looking back, it just felt like a failure. But the process I think is so much more important for me. It's not so much the outcome. It's looking back to what I put into it. And it's hard to put into words. But yeah, I'm very process. There's two sides to me. My work is very process-driven. I'm basically the CFO of prison industries out here. And when I work for the state of Indiana, one of my little spreadisms is the process is more important than the result. So it's very process-driven, drives me nuts. Um, On the swimming side, um, it's a little bit of both. You know, ultimately it is about the event and the results of the event. So getting there, I hate the training. I hate the planning of it other than the logistics, which I'm great at. Um, But that's a little bit more about the result. Probably both. Um, You know, I love swimming for swimming's sake, but if I don't have an event that I'm training for, it's, I find it easy to you know, get unmotivated and have a hard time getting into a rhythm. And um, I just, I need to have something that I'm working toward to to keep me going. 
So I'd, I'd say, I'd say both. Although I say a goal, it's never time. I'm not a very fast swimmer. So for me, it's not about how fast I'm swimming. Or I get a PR. It's, can I make it to the other side? That's, that's my goal. I still, up until very, very recently, had a 21-kilometer swim that I was training for. So I bought myself a pool, um, put it in my back garden, a, a paddling pool. So I, was, I became one of the tether swimmer gangs, so swimming on a tether. But um, actually, now that, the, now that the, lake, the rivers have opened up again, I'm pretty much down the river most, most days now. So. So, so that swim you had coming up was still on or not? It was until about four days ago. Then they cancelled it. So, so I was training in my pool, but uh, it wasn't a heated pool. So it was, I couldn't really go much more than about 40 minutes. Um, what was the swim you were training for? Uh, Vida Stern Simit. It's a Swedish swim. It's one of the longest swims in Sweden. I don't know yeah, if you've heard of it. I think I've looked yeah. into it, yeah. Yeah, so... So that's been uh, postponed till next year now. So, mm-hmm. so I'm what? now swimming for fun now. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, def- definitely a process person. You know, I feel like it's about the journey. Every before every swim I do, my husband, the very last thing he says to me before I get in the water is to enjoy the journey and. I have a necklace that I wear that says enjoy the journey and, you know, he kisses me and off I go on my journey because it's really about that journey and what you learn about yourself along the way. And, you know, the relationships that you form with people when you're training or when you're swimming and your crew and it just, it is, um, it's just been a really great journey. The whole swimming, you know, my whole swimming career, and then also every swim that I do is just a great journey. Yeah, it's a good question. I would definitely say I'm very outcome oriented, um, but I do, you know, we're not doing this because we're getting paid. um, So the process is really important. Um, For me, of course, I think when people are embarking on these huge marathon swims, I always wish that they're, you know, safe, successful, and then have an enjoyable swim kind of in that order. Because I think most people, of course, safety is the absolute minimum, you know, must have type of thing. Then I think, you know, if it's successful, sometimes the more difficult or challenging parts can be overlooked. And then again, you know, we swim because it's enjoyable. We get to see the world. We love the feel of the water. So um, I would probably rank it in that order. So um, for me, outcome is important. But, um, you know, that being said, in terms of the process, kind of um, doing everything you need to do safety-wise, adhering to um, doing the right thing kind of in everything that you're organizing, you know, and especially as you're organizing your own um, swims, I think that's really important as well. I'm definitely a process person. Um, I'm a scientist in my day job. Um, and so I, I really do not only take pleasure in the process, but like, I really tend to <laughs> everything. Yeah. I, I just process everything in a very, um, analytical way. Um, I think, which is interesting because I think I, I have over time, I think that's become more true. Um, I don't, I don't not plan for the outcome, but it's sort of like, I think when I was like, when I was younger, when I was younger, um, 
I used to just show up at events like I, I hadn't trained well, especially in that period between like after college and before I actually started liking the pool again. Um, <laughs> I would just show up and do it because like I wanted to do it and I wanted to be I wanted to be done and say, hey, I did this thing. But now it's like I really do take pleasure in the act of training and the, the process to, to get to a goal. So. So this probably will surprise a lot of people because I think everybody assumes I'm a process person because I process a lot of things. I think you're an outcome person. <laughs> um, but after thinking about this and hearing everybody's answers, I definitely am an outcome person. And I will say why. It's not the outcome of the, the medal or finishing the race. But I, as I mentioned earlier, I fully expect that when I begin to train for something and I'm setting my eyes on an event, I have a purpose in mind of trying to understand something about myself or work on something about myself. Um, and so I'm very driven to get myself in a situation where when I'm at that event, I can be fully aware of what's happening and the uniqueness of the time allows you to really kind of like enter into that moment. So I would say I'm always wanting to get something out of my event in that regard. So it's, it's definitely an outcome driven thing. Oh, that's, um, whew. I don't, you know, it's an interesting question. I love the training. I don't think you do this unless you love doing the training too, because you'd never make it through it. But when your heart's broken and you DNF something you thought you were going to do, you know, it kind of says, oh, maybe you really are an outcome person. Um, I, I don't know yet. I'm still, you know, I'm still pretty new at doing all this. Um, would I still jump in knowing that I wasn't going to finish? The answer is yes. So in that aspect, I guess I'm a process person. Um, it's about the water, not the land. <laughs> it's about all the great metals I've been. <laughs> that sort of cracks me up. Um, that part of sometimes where people are like, I want the medal. And I'm always like, what do you do with all these medals? Like, I don't want the medal. They're sitting in a box and covered in dust at the moment someplace. <laughs> One of my friends has them hanging on his shower and I thought that was the best place I've ever seen them. He's like, yeah, it inspires me in the morning when I'm like, and I was like, oh, okay. That could work. And it's not out in the public. with mine. Maybe uh, Christmas tree ornaments. <gasps> what was that? I, I was just that. Thinking. That was a good answer. Me, Christmas tree ornaments. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> You'll need a strong tree, though, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mum has made me a process person. I think if I was true to myself, it'd probably be an outcome. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to my swims. Everything else in my life's not my swimming, I am. And um, Rennie, who kayaked for me um, in SCAR the first year, um, and, well, Blake, um, the second, second time I did SCAR, they laughed because I had the laminated card with all my feeds on it attached to my feed bag. And everything has to be like, yeah. So I've got all my bottles. They're color coded because 
in hotter water, I do change my feed slightly and have an isotonic every third or fourth feed with my jelly babies, which are like really nice little sweets. Um, so I have my bottles colour coded and a card to tick off my feeds. So I would say for that kind of stuff from a swimming, everything's a process. But then other things, I'm just like, screw it. Let's just go and try it and see what happens. So I think it is about getting the balance of the two. Once I'm in the water, I'm very much, I just need to swim. That's my job. Everybody else deals with the processes, deals with everything that's going on. Um, my job is just to put my arms around. But beforehand, it's very much a process. Hello, Marathon Swim Story listeners. If you enjoy the stories of marathon swimmers as much as I do, you have got to check out the book One Stroke at a Time by South African marathon swimmer and coach Sue Ush. Use code MSS10 to get 10% off the ebook. Head over to swimfast.co and click on ebook to order your copy. That discount code again is MSS10. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. How do you keep going? Whatever's next. Like I said, you know, I, I get out of a swim and I'm like, okay, now, like now the next thing. Um, and, and I really think that that does motivate me to keep going. I think it does, again, like the, the mental health stress release mechanism aspect of it too. Like that, that feeling, like it's, it's great. Um, I, I thrive on that feeling. Uh, but you know, it's just, I think there, I love being able to use swimming to travel. Um, and, and I like using it as a, as an excuse to travel. And I'm fortunate to be able to do some of that, um, in terms of, you know, like my, my job allows it. Um, and I mean, now obviously nobody allows it, but, um, I have, you know, the, like, basically just, just trying to explore via swimming. Um, that also motivates me to keep going because there's plenty of places I haven't swum yet. And I'd like to swim in different places like Montana and yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. Never swum there. Yeah, so, yeah, that keeps me going. So I love to clear with the other thing. I, and for those of you who have never clued, I don't think that's true for maybe anyone on this, but I love to crew. If I can't swim, I want to be on crew. And I was crewing somebody who was swimming the length of Lake George. I think I met you then. Huh? I think I met you then at Mossy Point. May- oh, yes, I think I did. See? For Janet. Uh, no, I did no. not crew Janet. Oh, must have been another one. Sorry. Maybe Lynn. <laughs> And uh, the person said, the person was like two miles and they're like, you know, uh, you're lying to me. And cause you can't see the end of that swim. It kind of comes around a corner. And she's like, I need some inspiration. I said, cause you don't want to have to come back and do it again next year. Cause you didn't finish it this year. And she's like, oh, and off she went. And I was like, that's what keeps you going. Cause you're like, I don't want to come back and do this one again next year. I got this list of other ones I want to do. And so that's what keeps some days, that's what keeps you going. I think it's about the challenge and it's about pushing those boundaries where people, I love it when people say you can't do something and you almost give them two fingers and show them that you can. 
and it's probably that's where I am. So after the Minch is probably the closest I've come to to retiring, and I was all for stopping. And my kayaker was said, "But that's you swim. That's what you do." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I could find something else to do." And he's like, "No, but you swim." So last year, instead of doing any big swims, um, my coach, although my name's Colleen, my coach and my family <clears> call <throat> me Call. So there's an island called the Isle of Call in Scotland. So Brian suggested that we just went and for fun tried to swim around the Isle of Call over a few days not in one go the plan was to see if you could do it in one go because he said we'll swim around the Isle of Call and I was like ah in one go and he's like no in four or five days and I'm like no but can we do it in one go and he's like well because the tides I don't know let's go and plan it first I was like oh right okay so the idea of someone going to do something short and fun had never really entered my head because I've always done long stuff so last summer I did the Corrie Whirlpool which is one of the largest whirlpools in the world but a slap tide you could swim across it so I did that with a group and I did lots of short fun stuff um, which has kind of just made me more determined to go back to doing long stuff again and I think yeah we've got a few things we're looking at probably won't happen this year now um, but it's just finding new challenges Well my kayaker we <laughs> she was uh, very very calm and like she's like I know this is frustrating and I'm like frustrating is like identifying my emotions let's like let's accept it and so you know after I kind of like acknowledged my feelings I was able to I did like the fastest like three miles of the swim and it also helped that the current was changing but um just uh, helped me kind of push through it so identifying your feelings is that <laughs> or, or the kayaker or both <laughs> because my um companion swimmer she was like I, I guess it was about 11 miles and uh Dan was like you want the good news or the bad news and I was like <laughs> Was well, that a freighter or land? And he says, that's a freighter. <laughs> and he's like, and you've been swimming into a current all night. And I was like, okay. He goes, but you're more than halfway. And I'm like, well, I can't be more than that much of halfway because I still see boats. That means I'm in the shipping lane. I should be seeing land four to five miles out. And I'm, I just put my head back down in the water and I was like, ugh. And then, like, I looked back up, and Amber got in the water to come swim with me, and um, she got out, and she's like, she's just rage swimming right now. So, <laughs> like, it was only, you know, I, I guess I punched the water for, like, maybe six miles, and then finally got it together and took it on in, but it was, that was a rough swim. Um, interesting. So, I think in general, like, you know, what motivates me to keep swimming is, is definitely I'm like a little bit like I sign up for something and that's what motivates me. Like it's that it's the fact that I have the swim coming up that motivates me. And but then during the swim itself, I don't think I rely on motivation at all. I think it's much more of a for me, it's like a decision based model. Like I have taken all these steps to get here and I have decided that I am not getting out until I'm done. <laughs> um so I don't swim and think about, you know, the moment when I finish, because I don't know what that looks like <laughs> um, so much as just it's, it's, I don't entertain the, the thought of, of not swimming while I'm swimming, you know? I like to achieve. Uh, and I don't like sitting still. <laughs> you are the energizer bunny as far as I can tell <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a third one Shannon I, I love the way the water feels you know I know I, you know, like, there's lots of motivations and reasons for people to marathon swim and yes it's an incredible feeling finishing 
I love the feeling of my body slicing through the water. I love the way it feels on my body. It's a, it's a natural decompressant. It's, um, you know, being in the water releases um, dopamine. You know, it's the pressure of the water. It's um, incredible. Um, it's an incredible feel-good thing. So um, anything that keeps me in and around the water um, keeps me happy and bubbly. And uh, it's really my little magic juice. enjoyment I just really enjoy it it's something I can do um and it's something that I usually get there in the end and um I mean I've been doing open water swimming since before it became popular and I just really love it and I think here you know the city camaraderie with the British Long Distance Swimming Association and the the fibbies as they're called yeah it was just a nice thing to do When what motivates me is to finish. I, I, I wholly believe in safety. I don't think I'm reckless. Um, I, I wouldn't um, argue with a boat captain or crew, but I'm not getting in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, if they tell me it's time, it's going to be time. But in my own mind, I'm not getting in the boat. And um, so what motivates me is finishing. Uh, as far as additional swims, um, there's just so many. And, and I, it just seems like in the last year or two, people were thinking up these incredible swims. You know, it used to be kind of a handful of the big swims that everybody did. And mm-hmm. now everybody's doing just really interesting, great things. And, and I think my focus is, is more on kind of destination Swims that interest me as opposed mm-hmm. to, um, you know, checking off the box of things I have to do. Um, so I look for places that I think would be really cool to swim. Tell us about a favorite swim memory. It's a tough one. <laughs> uh, a scar, actually, Roosevelt swim. Um, I was swimming and I was... Uh, you know Mark Spratt, he's obviously, he, you know Mark. And him and I swim at a very similar speed. So we spent the whole of Scar sort of like either swimming next to each other or whatever. But we, we were a very similar pace. And we went out in um, Roosevelt Lake. And um, and for about the first hour, it's only a 10 kilometer. So it's only a six mile swim in the, in the evening. But you swim from day to night. Um, and uh, I went out hard with Mark. And uh, after about an hour, I just thought, stop. You're never going to be in Roosevelt Lake under the stars with this amazing view ever again, maybe. So just enjoy it. So I just, I think I, I finished way off what I should have finished off. But I just, I think the last three miles, I think I did breaststroke or something, or backstroke. Was, I just didn't. I didn't bother the last three miles. I just floated around and enjoyed it. So, and that was probably one of one of my most memorable um, moments in swimming. So, there's so many. <laughs> I don't know what pops up. I don't know. I mean, probably one of the like greatest like swimming trips like of all time was when um, Crud Lenning, um, Elaine Howley, and I um, swam Loch Ness. 
um, you know, we spent two weeks together in Scotland, you know, us and our crew. So we had this like big, huge house rented in the Scottish Highlands. And, um, you know, it was just this like fabulous couple of weeks of swimming and eating. And, you know, I don't drink, but everyone else does. And, you know, like, so just the, just good old fashioned debauchery, um, you know, and we happened to get to swim blockness in the middle of it all. So um, that's probably one of my like just most cherished swimming memories. Um, though I hate to just single one because I'm sure that there's other like fabulous stuff out there. Um, but just, you know, if I'm looking at big picture stuff, that is a pretty, that, that was a pretty special two week period in my life that I, you know, remember very well. Oh, there's so many. I mean, there's there's been so many hilarious, like, you know, even just silly things like the, well, not silly things, but beautiful things like the Dolphins of Catalina. Like that was probably just because I was having a bad, I got so hot in that swim, man. It was like, oh. it was hot. I got like, my stroke rate was dropping and I, my morale just went so low on that one. That um, so I just, oh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm in, I'm going to do Celsius because I don't okay. you know Fahrenheit that well. I think it was around 17 water but the air was like 19 or 20 at least I'd have to yeah at least 20 and I was just overheating and then my stroke rate just dropped so much and I've never asked for more calories before on a swim and I did on that one but but um it was just I and then they and then of course I started getting feeling cold and they kept asking me if I felt the temperature drop as you get to Catalina like as you got over there and I did start feeling a little cold towards the end but not really it's just weird because it's weird when you're very hot but you're but you start shaking Mm, wow. um so they thought I was dehydrated and then so I just kept drinking water and they just said well you did everything we asked you to so we can't ask any more of that right huh. um but that was yeah no probably one of the better ones was that I mean I've had some amazing experiences like memories the memories of swimming around Bowen which is over there <laughs> um of having a clear night sky the only time I've ever had clear night sky and then also and then all of a sudden phosphorescence appeared below me as well Oh, wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell, like, I thought I was hallucinating. I couldn't tell <laughs> what was up and what was down. And I kept over rotating and I realized that the little stars were closer together, I think, or, you know, no, yeah, the, the stars were closer, were further apart than the phosphorescence or if they were bioluminescence, but just, they looked so similar. Yeah. And I, and I was also like very, I was swimming around this Island and it was very dark and my boat crew was being great with no bright lights. And I was just going like, okay, I should probably go closer to the boat again. <laughs> Cause you're kind of sandwiched and you're like, okay, yeah, it's pretty like, you're just trying to navigate a little bit. I'm wearing lights and everything, but, um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was just very surreal having that experience. And then seeing, and then Vancouver was also lit up like in the background and I could see it and it was just, it was so beautiful. And I was just like, I was so tired. I remember for some reason, cause I think I'd swam Catalina eight weeks before that. That's why oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I was so exhausted. And I was just like, but yeah, I was like, you know what? Okay. And then, and then that was the only time. And then unfortunately six hours later, that was the only time anyone ever attempted to pull me on hour 18 because they had no clue. Like they were like, well, it only took her 18 hours swimming this channel. And I was like, um, yeah. And they were like asking me, do you want to stop? I'm like, why? I'm like, we have like only two kilometers left. And I mean, it might take us three hours because I'm getting pushed by a current backwards right now. But like we finished the swim in 21 hours. It took me forever, but I got there because I wasn't going to like wreck my shoulders over it. Right. Like I just swam in one mm -hmm. spot for two hours. It was super frustrating. And the same spot, yeah. I could see that spot from when I was doing my other swim too. Like that's why I feel a bit guilty about swimming so much in my own water because I can see the spots now. <laughs> and I was cursing myself outside of UBC when I was trying to get into kits, looking at the other spot from Bowen. And it was just, it was, it was nuts because like, I just, I'm, I'm okay with it. 
Like, who's okay with swimming against the current going nowhere? <laughs> I mean, I think that training trip in Italy was amazing. <laughs> I think, um, well, it ended badly. We all got sick. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, um, for me, Coney Island is like a really special place to swim. And I think um, it's it's unbelievable, you know, being in New York City, but also being at the beach at the same time. And, you know, the, the normal sort of basic route is you swim, you meet at Brighton Beach and you swim to Coney Island, which is, you know, a mile this way. And, um, and just like, being in the water and seeing, you know, the, the cyclone and the parachute jump, those are sort of like amazing moments and just the community that's on the beach there. I think within that 18 month period, I DNF'd Catalina, the English Channel and Manhattan. So that was my triple crown. <sighs> And uh, so here we are, there's me back on the second round of Catalina. Not a bad one to do again, because it's beautiful. It's really nice people. And uh, the swim was incredible. It just it felt really good. Uh, I had a nice, uh, you know, I was happy with my pace, my time. And I, I got to that point where the boat stops and they said, there's the shore, it's time for you to swim in. And I actually was treading in the water and I pinched myself. And I'm like, is this really happening? I mean, not only can I see it, because, you know, you're always told not to peek. There it was. Yeah. Time to swim in, Charlotte. And I'm like, now, are you sure? <laughs> you know, I don't hear much. What? And uh, yes, yes, it's, all you got to do is swim in and get on the shore. I'm like, you, and you never want to say this to yourself, I'm going to get there. Yeah. I'm going to get there. It's probably a couple hundred metres. 200 maybe at the most. And I'm excited. No, I don't want the last feed, thank you. I think I'll swim in now. So in I go. In my mind, it's my 100 sprint. I'm sure it looks like that. So in I go and um, I come in, strolling up the beach, not like Memphis Magog where I was, you know, just a, a wreck and putting my arms up to be done. Well, in I go, and the surf crashes me on the rocks, and I hold on to them, and then I'm holding on and being dragged back out. <gasps> and back I am out there, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm like, so in I go again, faster and stronger. And I go my hand and knee on seats. In I go, and the surf just pulls me back out. <laughs> and now I've got rocks down my suit, my goggles are off, my cat's half gone. And I'm back out there and I'm like, beep. I'm like, I'm just come back. I'm not coming back another year. Swimming another 20 miles to get this little bit done. So in I went and I land my hands and I get my knees fully on the shore and my toes and I'm digging and the water's pulling me back. And I'm just, everything I've got left. And I look up and there is this um, delightful fellow who's working at some sort of resort, scrambling down the rocks because he sees I'm in distress. <laughs> he's coming over to help me. 
and everyone on the boat's going, don't touch her. And now my cat's gone, my hair's everywhere. I got blood on my hands and my knees and I'm going, don't touch me. And he's looking at me like this crazy woman. (laughs) And he runs away like I'm about to harm him. And then uh, because it's like, he touches me. I'm, I'm not at fully out of the water, I'm yeah. toast. And so I, I, I haul myself out and then I turn around and I sit and I look back out to the boat and, and I just sat like this with my hands under my chin and uh, the words actually, I don't really know where they came from, but it was, holy flipping crap dog. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe that I'd made it. So... Um, so, so that was a really um, a memorable one for me, and, and I'm pretty sure that the fellow didn't forget either. <laughs> he hasn't gone to try and help uh, anyone else. Gosh, you know, I think I've gotten to have a lot of experience, and I would imagine quite a few of us in this room have had experiences that nobody else will understand. Um, I've swam with a pod of dolphins in the middle of the night in Molokai for 45 minutes and they looked like ghosts because of phosphorescence coming off of them. Oh my gosh. I've swam and seen, I don't know what a pod of rays are called, but swim underneath me from Anacapa. I mean, there's things that, uh, I swam in a freaking solar eclipse. Yeah, wow. I mean, I didn't succeed, but I swam in a solar eclipse. You did, you did. Um, I think some of my favorite memories are, like, from the swimming is that, where you realize that the world is so much bigger than you and you're getting to participate in such a small micro, you know, you get to experience just a small gift of that, um, of that world. Um, But I think outside of swimming, I mean, just even seeing some of these faces here who are my dearest friends <laughs> who don't live in Portland, Oregon, who will call each other up and be like, is it time for a swimming vacation? Let's go. <laughs> and we hop on planes from various locations and we meet up and we eat a lot and we swim some, usually less than we always plan to. Um, but the people are so incredible and that for me is I think one of the biggest gifts that marathon swimming has brought favorite at Mary um you probably have a million right you can give us two or three but <laughs> <laughs> oh I think the one of my favorite memories is finally getting to the end of Wachmora um Wachmora was a very difficult swim I estimated it would take me nine hours and it actually took me 12 and a half um, so it was a combination of things that um, I swam certainly the forecast had said that you know to swim against the prevailing you know the wind would be okay because the wind was supposed to come from the other direction I was doing it for a church restoration project and the ladies in the church wanted me to finish it the other the end that I actually swam to so they could have a reception committee and kind of provide teas and coffee to raise more money. And um, the person on the boat who worked in the lock as well because this, 
you know, to finish it would have been so remote, there are no roads where I would have finished. He was happier doing support me doing it the other way just in case anything, you know, went wrong. And the other thing is that there's no phone coverage in that area as well. So, um, but just when I started, it got really, really, conditions got quite wild and bad and I've actually got a picture uh, where I'm in the water and you just can't see me when I squall. <laughs> And there were three points in that swim where I definitely wasn't moving forward. <laughs> wow. So, and again, because it had taken me so long, we hadn't been, we had, hadn't gone prepared for me swimming in the dark. So it was on the point of being, you know, I was on the point of being pulled because, yeah. um, because of that. But thankfully it calmed at the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. But um, it's, oh, and when I came out of that swim, I just couldn't stand. My legs just wouldn't do what <laughs> It's the only swim I've been like that. Yeah. Wow. The swim that I'm the most proud of is my double Catalina Channel swim. So I started at like 6.45 on a Tuesday and I finished about 4.15 on 4 o'clock on a Thursday a.m. So over three days, um, it was, I got to Catalina in 12-ish, 12 and a half hours, something like that, and did the turn. Chris was at the turn, gave me all my stuff. I was back in the water in four minutes and felt great. And then about halfway back, the current was against me and it took me 20 plus hours to get back. And it was, the second sunset was pretty awful um but that's the definitely the swim that I'm most proud of I had a blast in Gibraltar did you I was hoping you'd tell us about Gibraltar (laughs) uh Jim Clifford and I went to Gibraltar um it almost didn't happen because like two weeks before the swim we got a call saying he's moved the boat you can still come we canceled our our lodging canceled our airfare. We had two other guys that were going with us. Um, Jim and I were talking and we just said, hell, let's just do this thing. And so we put it all back together and we went there and we had a blast. It is for me, the funnest swim. I think it can be a difficult swim if you get bad conditions, but Tarifa is a great town, great place to hang out and eat and drink good wine. Um, that the swim association does a good job, um, and, uh, swimming from one continent to another is a pretty cool thing. Uh, even though it's, it's on the scale of marathon swims, it's relatively short, so it doesn't kill you. Um, <laughs> and it, Jim and I just had a blast. We had so much fun and that was my favorite swim. What advice would you give? to an aspiring marathon swimmer find these people i think that i think that the like like i I said earlier i've been really fortunate to you know hang out with some really experienced people um a really great insight and we all do approach it a little bit differently right like i mean that's actually i've really enjoyed hearing other people's perspectives um on how how we approach it and how we handle it and how we go on with swimming um, and what swimming means to people is different. And for the marathon aspect, I mean, there's so much knowledge here 
Um, and you can learn so much by by just talking to people and, and, and picking people's brains. Also um, volunteer um, because I, over the years I've crewed a lot of different places, a lot of different um, roles I've observed. I've been crew. Um, I've done, you know, like I crewed first Susan night, I crewed the English channel and I crewed 20 bridges. So like I've seen those things now and like I can actually visualize them and, and I just, you know, of course, then I have to actually pull the trigger and to sign up for some of this stuff, which has been the part that I haven't done yet. Um, but like seeing those things, I, I crewed for Caroline Block across um, Lake Cayuga in, in upstate New York. So I was overnight. Um, you know, you learn a lot about watching people um, and, and seeing how, how things can go well and how things can go sideways. And Greg O'Connor's adventure on Lake George, that uh, that ill-fated event that was a whole other learning experience you know so you you learn things a lot by by also volunteering it and plus the sport can't go on without people enabling us um mm-hmm. i'm a huge enabler also so if anybody has any bad ideas that they need a push to to um <laughs> to pull the trigger come to me um, all right <laughs> yeah so you, you learn a lot of things yeah. uh i would definitely tell them to put their, leave their ego at the shore. I would um, tell them to really examine their hubris because I think uh, some of the best swimmers that I've been with, um, you know, are pretty quick to not listen maybe to uh, our advice or take note of what we're doing um, when we're on the shore because they think they know better maybe because I got in once or twice. So I think just kind of watching, like slowing down, not talking so much and just watching what your fellow swimmers are doing. Um, You know, if I'm swimming with somebody local, even though I have the experiences I do, if, if I'm swimming with somebody local and I see them putting on two caps or doing something that I've never done before um, and telling me which direction they're going to swim, I'll probably follow them. (laughs) Um, because I figure that they probably know better than I do those bodies of water. When I go to San Francisco, I, I follow those local swimmers. I, I ask them why they made the decisions they did. I try to learn from them. I, I always try to, you know, um, set all my experiences to the side and learn from them. So that's what I would suggest for new swimmers to do as well. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Clue observed. I, I am telling you that I don't know that I would have, I probably would have found it, but um, I had the amazing good fortune of the first person I ever crewed was Ederly for um, Eileen Burke. And I, um, she since passed away, but she was this amazing spirit. And um, that year they swam from New Jersey to New York. And so, um, so you have all this time on the boat as you're going out. And she's like, oh, she's like, you're new. You don't ask me anything. And I'm like, really? Because I have like a really long. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so I asked her all these questions. She was great. She jumps in. She starts swimming. Her husband is her crew. I'm her observer. And her husband says to me, watch this. Every time I stop her, she's going to be like, really? Already? And every time he stopped her to feed her, she's like, really, already? And the pure joy of, of, that she had for, for doing this, 
was amazing. I mean, I cried when she finished. Right? And I was like, so I, I think that I have learned more about it. I've learned how, you know, I've, I've observed people who DNF'd and, and how they took that grace and, and, and still got joy out of it. Um, I've learned what to eat, what not to eat. Who do you want on your boat? Who you not want on your boat? Like, I learned a lot about the. Who do you want and not want on your boat? Who do you want and not want? (laughs) Uh, Who do you not want on your boat? Uh, You don't want anybody who's going to cause drama. So you need somebody who's much more of a team player versus I got to be right. Because you get one or two of those people, and all of a sudden, as you're swimming each breath, you can see this happening. You don't want that. Uh, you want people you trust. Like I always say to people that who I'm crewing for, and I say to that uh, in the reverse is, my job is not to make sure that you can finish your swim today. My job is to make sure you can swim tomorrow. That's what my job is as your observer or as your crew, whatever. My job is to make sure you're okay at the end of the day because this is just a swim. So um, you want that person. Uh, I don't, I want people to look happy, but I don't want a lot of like, you can do it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want a lot of rah-rah. That's (laughs) me. I need like calm and happy, but not cheerleading. Interesting. <laughs> um, and somebody I trust. I can't, I do. I, I say to somebody who's crewing or observing, I'm like, I, I, I trust you. And if you decide to call it for any reason, I will never be angry. You are doing this because you think it's the right thing to do. And I'm okay with that. I'm giving you this decision. So I do. I think crewing and observing is probably the best thing you can do when you're starting out. And I even still to this day, like I still learn. I, you know, I was out in Hawaii this last year with Eric Shaw and Steve Cronwald. I, I learned a whole lot more about crewing that, uh, that I didn't know. You know, what does that mean in the middle of the ocean? What does that mean when you're trying to throw, bo- you know, training to throw bottles in big waves? and not clunk your swimmer, you know? Like, it's always something new. Uh, not uncommon advice to know somebody, talk to them. My, I guarantee you my success on the English Channel was being with somebody on their crew and actually seeing the whole thing from above the water. I did that on the Catalina Channel too. Uh, I crewed for a friend the year before my swim, which was really a great experience because that's such a different swim, having to ride the boat over there. And I, on that trip, when I did it, my coach never saw a stroke because she got seasick. You know, told her, you got to take these seasick pills and you got to, but, you know, they don't always work. (laughs) So and I had another friend who who uh, started the swim, and he because he he had gotten seasick on the way over. So just talk to people and don't be afraid to ask questions because you know we're all willing to share because we all want everybody to be successful in things they want to do. 
Oh, oh God, the, probably the same advice I got, which is just go and do it. <laughs> I mean, be, get, get your team together, get your team. And I think, I can't remember if it was Sarah Thomas or a few other, I think a few marathon swimmers on your series have said this. If you can get your family on board, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. If you can, if you can create that team network around you and the right people that are going to, like, I don't, I need to be pushed, but I need to be pushed in a certain way. And I knew, you know, I know how to, I still look, I still am always trying to get, you know, better, different support or different, th- like better coaching and stuff. But um, yeah, I just say really get that. If you can get, if you can create that team around you, if possible, and just every time someone says no, or you can't do it, or you, there's such a good network now of marathons community that you don't need to listen to those people. Like, <laughs> yes, they have some, they have some validity and some of the stupid things that we do, but you're not going to wreck. You're not going to like kill your, like there's the risk. I'm sorry, but so many people die in more higher risk sports and injure themselves in other sports than they do in even swimming. So why, you know, if you're going to go and climb a mountain and do that, why not do this? You know? So, um, but, but, but be cautious. Cause you can, we have, even in BC, like, like we have the networks. There's, there's so many, there's ways to do it where it's actually still safe and you're not breaking the law or doing anything. Like it's, it's just, it's just not done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, overall so just don't don't yeah don't yeah find a mentor I just keep saying find a mentor find a mentor I don't know it or I I even said because there's not a lot ton of us in BC we can also tell you who to go to like I'm not saying come to me because I'm I'm doing it but I can give you resources and push you on other people Mm -hmm. um you know if you don't like my style that's fine my style is only one style and it's completely different Ooh, um, this is a good one because actually I think my advice would be to never be shy about asking for help, like individual help, but actually to be very wary of people who are eager to give out blanket advice. Um, because I see this like a lot, uh, you know, and I think that, uh, there are people who are out there who are willing to prescriptively say, you know, this is how you do X. And I think that the people who are probably most qualified to help, and I'm not necessarily saying I'm most qualified, but like you just notice that that people who are experienced in the sport are very gracious in giving advice when asked personally and in context of what you mean for yourself and your swims, or else they're very conscious of putting things in terms of their own experience but um, solutions that say, you know, you should feed on, this is how you, this is what you should, you know, take in during your swims, or this is how you should train. The people who are giving that kind of advice are maybe um, misguided. I don't know. And that's my advice would be to, to avoid that. Um, because really, I think the, the, the constant is that there is no, like we all go from, we all want to go from A to B. Uh, but how we get there is so varied. And I think that's, uh, that would be a really important thing to keep in mind that like, if somebody tells you that this is, you have to train this much a week and that's not working for you, uh, that's okay. Maybe, you know, Um, one thing I think is that I've learned is don't rush. Like, there's lots of time. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what I did with the Boston Light was trying to take on too much. Um, you know, there's lots of time. And, you know, there are 
great things. Like I love the Kingdom Swim, the way that they're sort of events that you can bite off a bit longer distance each year. And, you know, you can do that other places by picking and choosing your events. Um, and, um, but I also think that, you know, find your community. I mean, I can't imagine how I would have be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the community that's in the Boston area, which is so incredible and nurturing and fun and supportive. And I mean, I look over here at Elaine and, you know, I just think about, like, I think of like her advice in terms of like be safe and think things through and be careful, you know, that you always have to be assessing how do you feel. And, um, I'm not sure I would have known that if, you know, I didn't have the, you know, a seasoned community around me. So, yeah. So definitely find, find people who, you know, have some experience. Sometimes you've just got to act, you know, act now, think later, do it. Sometimes you think too much. It just doesn't happen. Don't fear giving it a crack because of what might happen. Look, I've DNF'd plenty. I've landed some swims and I'm still upright, smiling and positive. And if I can do that, you can go swim a mile, you know, or half a mile. You know, get half this time, get a mile next time. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the devastation you think it's, it might. So. My advice would be um, act now, think later, do it. Get yourself signed up, work out how to get it done, set some little goals, build up to it. If it doesn't work out the way you hoped for, relook at your training and what you're doing, reevaluate your goal, and either set another one or go for it harder. I think preparation is really key. You need to be well prepared. I would say that you need to put in, you know, the miles. And um, if you're really serious about a swim, you need to put in a lot of hard work. Um, again, going back to the channel, I was swimming five miles a day for from about January up until July, just, you know, going before work at lunchtime and after work. I think planning, working out what your feeds are and what suits you is very, very important and planning them how often you're going to have them and getting the right support crew. And I think as well, not getting carried away and taking too many people with you because I think that's a bit added pressure if you have too many people with high expectations. Yeah. But I think believing in yourself and just working towards it. First of all, just swim. Um, you know, if you're... If you're looking to, to ramp up to bigger swims, you got to look at what you're doing now and, and in a strategic way, increase, increase your, um, your distance and, and maybe your, your intensity. Um, I don't think you need to go crazy and all of a sudden say, I'm going to swim seven days a week for four hours a day. Um, cause you'll probably get sick of it and, and quit. Um, but, um, swim all the time, listen to people you can find who've done this, uh, find a good mentor, 
Uh, swim with a group. Don't just swim alone because the group's going to push you. Um, think about feeding and how to get through a swim, eating uh, junk you would never want to eat. Hungry. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and, um, and get your head straight about uh, what your expectations are and whether they're realistic and how you work up to it. I mean, I spent, I don't know, Liz, two two plus years planning to, to build my base to do the channel. And because I respected that swim so much and I didn't want to go over there and fail. So, um, you know, you, you just find swims. The good thing is there's so many swims around and find swims that will help you build from 4.4 to 10 to 17 to 25 and, and, then keep going. Yeah, I would say for both, do as much research as you can. Um, with me, when I started winter swimming, kind of, I would pour over YouTube videos to kind of look at what the start looks like. What are people doing when? Kind of just reading up on everything so much. And then we're so lucky. I think everybody on the line today has so much they can share and, you know, learning from each other. But um, when I was a total newbie, just kind of reading through documents, looking at people's Facebook pages, even if I didn't know them, that's why it's really important for me to kind of keep mine um, very open because that was one of the major ways I learned from um, more experienced marathon swimmers when I was just starting to swim. I would say with ice swimming as well, take it really gradually and everybody is so different. Um, don't assume just because you did a kilometer at a certain temperature last week that you can do it again. It's very different from day to day. So the main thing that you should learn is kind of how to listen to your body. I've um, pulled myself out of a 200 meter swim if I'm not feeling it right, you know, even if I had done colder and longer um, and felt fine. And I think just erring with marathon swimming and also with ice swimming, erring on the side of caution, if it ever doesn't feel right, don't push it. It's not a good idea. That concludes the Marathon Swim Stories Summer Series. Thank you for tuning in. It was impossible to revisit everyone in the first season but I hope that you were inspired to go back and listen to some older episodes. Thank you to the voices in episode four. Louise Darlington, Mark Spratt, Molly Nance, Graham Schlachter, Chris Rutford, Courtney Polk, Jamie Monahan, Kelly Latimer, Cindy Warhane, Janine Sorrell, Colleen Blair, Elizabeth Almond, Carolyn Block, Martha Wood, Charlotte Brin, Morag Hughes, Bill Shipp, Jesse Harowitz, Sarah Thomas, and Michelle Macy. Thank you for sharing your stories. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you were inspired by even just a moment of this story, please share it with a friend. You never know what might push someone out of their comfort zone so that they can find out what they're capable of. And please leave a review with your podcast provider. It truly helps others discover the raw and honest stories of these amazing endurance swimmers. Thanks for listening.